Go for a change. Aginla remains on the ice. Aginla with the puck. Aginla slides it across. He scores! Number 600! You're listening to All the King's Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. However, the views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and other contributors. They do not necessarily represent those of the Los Angeles Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Well, Kings fans, we suggested it might happen on a previous episode of the podcast, and here we are at the trade deadline, and Jerome McGinley is, in fact, a member of the LA Kings. The Royal Half joins me this episode as we welcome Jerome McGinley, bid farewell to Dwight King, and recap the last few games of Kings hockey, as well as discuss just what the heck is a conditional draft pick. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or any podcasting app, Never miss an episode. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. Enjoy the episode. Joining me now from the theroyalhalf.com, the Royal Half. How are you doing today, The Half? Uh, I'm doing well, Jesse, and I don't know if you're as excited as I am, but I can't wait to see Conditional Fourth play at Coachella this year. <laughs> uh, you'll never catch me at Coachella. <laughs> Maybe when I was maybe when I was a younger man, and the thought of spending four days surrounded by a bunch of drug-addled uh, weirdos in the desert <laughs> might have appealed to me. Uh, I'm out. I'm out on I, Coachella. <laughs> I, I, I went to the first two, I think maybe three Coachellas, and and that was a lifetime ago. And yes, I am a hundred. Even if I was like in in the VIP tent under Misters, yep. I like could not be bothered to go to Coachella nope. with with where I am in my life right now. <laughs> exactly. Not interested. Uh, so another trade deadline has come and gone the half. This one, I would say, the boring. Big... Well, maybe, maybe if you're an Arizona Coyotes fan, but uh, but for the Kings, I would say this is the biggest trade deadline day since 2014. Way to go out on way to go out <laughs> on the limb there, Jesse. You mean since the Kings acquired uh, Andre Sakara and. Who else? What are the other trade deadlines well, last, last year? Last year was oh, Versteeg. Versteeg and, and LeCavier earlier in the year. Whoa. Bold <laughs> statement, Con. Uh, the year before that was uh, Sakara. The year before that uh, was, um, well, gosh, who did they? I feel like we've lost a year in there somewhere. But no, that would that would have been the year before that would have been Marion Gabrick in 2014. But uh, no, the Kings acquire um, Jerome Aginla. Uh, as everybody is has quick to make the joke, this would have been awesome in 2009. What do we think about it in 2017? I, I mean, I don't know what we think about it. I, I think you look at the what they gave up, right? So we made the joke about the conditional fourth. Yep. There's still, I don't think it's been clarified yet. I'm, I'm checked on LA Kings Insider, but uh, Darren Drager had a tweet. If the conditions are not met in the Jerome McGinley trade, uh, they're playoff related or he doesn't re-sign with the Kings. The fourth round pick then reverts back to the Kings. So a lot of speculation here. Is it winning the cup? Is it making the third round? Is it making the playoffs? But there is, an, there is a chance here that this pick could come back to the Kings and they would literally have gotten Jerome McGinley for nothing. Yeah. So I am okay with that. I am okay with very little... Uh, risk for the possibility of of a reward and what i loved in the conference call today is dean lombardi specifically uh spoke of you know when rob blake came back to the kings and and then was 
subsequently went to San Jose and, and played better there. You know, when you have a, an elite talent like Aginla, granted he's in the, the, the end, 39 years old of his career, playing with a good team can make all the difference. I mean, look what he did with LeCavier last year. Like, yes, LeCavier did not regain the player he was in 2001, but he was way elevated from the player he was in the Flyers. And, and uh, the Jerome Aginla we've seen with the Colorado Avalanche la- last few years is definitely not the the player that he is. Yeah, and, you know, to your point, the, the other question is what's the alternative to Jerome Aginla? And if they hadn't made a move, we're sitting here saying, you know, gosh, what is the LA Kings top line? Is it Brown, Kopitar, Gabrick? Is it Kempe, Kopitar, Gabrick? Is it Kempe, Kopitar, Brown? Is it King, Kopitar, Lewis? You know, don't say King, Kopitar, King. Don't say (laughs) don't say Kempe, Kopitar. You know, um, we've been sort of waiting for the Kings to find somebody to play with Andre Kopitar for Kopitar's entire career, and you know, it seems. And let's and let's be honest here. We will be waiting for that person next year, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, barring a miracle, you know, uh, rejuvenation from, from Aginla. But the point is for, for Aginla to come in, you know, and, and he even said it himself on the conference call, Daryl Sutter's really good at expressing what your role is and what their expectations are. And, you know, Jerome Aginla doesn't have to be the captain of this team. He doesn't have to be the offensive leader of this team. He doesn't have to be the veteran leader of this team. All he has to do is come in play hockey, uh, yes, possibly on the top line. But he just has to come in and play the game that he knows how to do. And and as I said to somebody earlier today, if he's even 30% of what he was at his peak, right? he's a he's a better option than they have currently. And, and, and let's be honest, a better, barring a kind of catastrophic, and I mean that in the sense of, of seismic shifting type trade a trade for the other Colorado players that were available you right. know Duchesne been rumored Landis Gog. so besides something where you're giving up tangible assets um who else is out there Vanek I Vanek has had every opportunity yeah. to become an LA King and, and it, it, it's never happened so so looking at that what you will I I just don't know what else was out there that that was traded around that as a Kings fan you could be like Ooh, gosh, I wish we would have got that guy, right? I mean, was there any other trade that happened uh, over the last couple of days that you were like, ooh, I wish the Kings were in on that guy? Um, not particularly. You know, I said it to you last week, and I still wish they had gotten a little bit of help on the blue line. I don't know that I would have paid the price that it took to get somebody like a Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, or I'll yeah. actually, I take that back. I wouldn't have paid the price <laughs> um, that it would take to get a player like that. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about this trade, right? Is it fits into that category that, that the best Dean Lombardi acquisitions fit into where it's low risk, high reward. And this this one, as far as I'm concerned, is no risk because a, can, anything underneath a third round pick, as far as I'm concerned, is essentially nothing because you can go back and look and say, yes, the Kings acquired Nick Dowd in the late rounds of a draft, or yes, the Kings found this player or that player. But for every guy like that, there's hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of players picked in those late rounds that don't develop into anything. So you're two times Stanley cup winner. Dwight King has umbrage with that statement. My friend, he was a late fourth round draft pick. No, but I'm saying my point is you can find these players, but for every one of them, you can point to, you know, hundred percent a first round pick that didn't pan out or a second round pick that didn't pan out or, or hundreds and hundreds. Of- 
And and I, I know it's very popular right now amongst Kings bloggers and tweeters to be bashing Marion Gabrick and talking about how the Kings were desperately trying to rid themselves of Marion Gabrick. But that's the other thing. Step back from this and and look at the game that Gabrick had uh, against the, the Flames. They kept Gabrick, and so now you've got Gabrick and Aginla with the possibility of playing with Kopitar. I mean, you have on paper upgraded your top six in a way that that I don't think anyone else in the league has. Again, this is all possibility. Right. But but if Gabrick can rediscover his game playing with a, a, an offensive player like Aginla and Kopitar, like that could that could be the the huge trade deadline acquisition, a an engaged Marion Gabrick. And, and that would be lovely. Or, uh, you know, even if he's not fully engaged, if Kopitar and Aginla can have any kind of chemistry together and can play any kind of quote-unquote heavy game, um, that just opens up more space for Gabrick to do whatever it is the Gabrick feels like doing on any given night. To your point about Aginla finding his game, I was curious, so I went ahead and I looked at his career the last time that he scored less than 20 goals in a full NHL season and a half was yeah. 1998. Um, you know, he had 28, 29, 31, 52, 35, 41, 35, 39, 50, 35, 32, 43, 32. Then he had 14 goals in a season where he only played 44 games. Then right, that was a lockout year, right? Yes. And then right back to 30, 29. Last year he had 22. This year he has 8 in 61. So, yeah, there's a steep drop-off between, you know, 29 in 2014-15 and 8 this season. But, have I mean, the Avs but, are horrendous again, this year. Not just horrendous, Jesse. I, I, really, I really don't want to beat a dead horse there. But a conversation that, that, that we have had, one of the worst teams in the last decade in the NHL. Absolutely. Like, we're not just talking about, hey, that's a bad team. The Coyotes are a bad team. The Last year, the, the Blue Jackets were a bad team. This is a catastrophically awful NHL team right now. Yeah. And, and you had a, a, an elite scorer that was playing with other elite scores that were uh, for all intents and purposes, trash this year. So th- there's a lot of upside, much more offensive upside with a trade like this than you had with LaCavalier for, for, for sure. Totally agree. And look, you know, when, when they acquired Vincent LaCavalier and Luke Shen, I think we both said, this is a trade for Luke Shen and whatever they get out of Le Cavalier is bonus. Right. And, and while I was fine with the trade at the time, if you had fast forwarded to April and then said to me when the trade happened, PS, this is how many minutes Le Cavalier is going to play. This is the role that they're going to play him in. And this is what it's going to do to the chemistry of that team and the shape of that lineup. I wouldn't have been in favor of it at the time because I did think it shifted their identity too much. Bringing in a Ginla at this point, I don't think really alters the chemistry of this team too much. Um, you know, as somebody said, worst case scenario, again, left for Dwight King is a push. Um, so, yeah, and, and, and I, you know, it's, it's, it really trade deadline is that time when you see all those people in your timeline or people that, that mention you uh, when you really kind of learn if they're actual hockey fans or not. Right. The 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 outcry for how dare this team trade Peter Budai when his save percentage and wins were much higher than Bishop's and and the how could we get rid of Dwight King? He has the same amount of goals as Jerome Ginla um, outcries that were happening up and down on Twitter today. Again, it just shows you like who watches the game and, and who <laughs> doesn't watch the game. Yeah. 
Um, I agree with you. And the thing that I see the most of is people on social media saying, I don't understand this trade. Again, was old <laughs> as if that, as if the <laughs> fact that he's old somehow were <laughs> evidence enough that he's no longer valuable. And you just want to point to guys like Chris Chelios or Ray Bork or Tim Thomas, who Jerome Aginla, <laughs> right? Who who have contributed to successful teams well past the age of <laughs> of thirty five, um, and and the fact that he's old, uh, I don't think is evidence. Now, look, we could be wrong. He could come and and not have a great twenty game stretch, and the Kings could still miss the playoffs, and then. You know, I guess we'd have egg on our face and the Kings wouldn't have to give up the fourth round pick and so it wouldn't matter. Uh but uh but I, I am I'm I'm for this trade in general. Um yeah, no, I, I I'm excited about this trade. And don't do not underestimate Jesse the Daryl Sutter connection here, right? Aginla had some of the best years of his career mm. he, he went to game seven of a stanley cup final with daryl sutter and and you know again was up in front about it in his press conference he's a tough coach he rides you hard um he demands a lot from you and you've got a locker room full of guys who've been with daryl sutter for a long time now and i think it is good to have someone come in who knows the coach and yeah. and understands the coach and and has that kind of relationship with the head coach i think that's a very good thing that that is not um you know i think it's i, I made the joke myself throwing out a, a a photo of of them together but uh don't don't underestimate the power of, of bringing in a familiar face uh to the head coach in the locker room for sure and he had 22 points 13 goals in 26 games during that playoff run to that stanley cup and uh, in the playoffs he's got 68 points in 81 games um that's a playoff performer, right? He doesn't he yeah. doesn't wilt or disappear in the playoffs. He's one of the highest scoring players of all time. He's got over 600 NHL goals. Not uh, one of the 100 greatest though, Jesse, not one of the 100 greatest. <laughs> no, I suppose <laughs> I suppose if we're to believe the list that the NHL gave us a few <laughs> weeks ago, he's not one of the 100. And and again, you, you you know more about the advanced stats than I do, but I look at his Corsi 4 and I see 55.7 and that's good, right? That's Absolutely. So again, on an awful team, yeah. Uh, you know, when he was in, in Pittsburgh, he was sixty with his Corsi four percentage. So uh, definitely someone who can drive offensively, uh, and that that is you know, love Trevor Lewis, loves White King, love anyone else that's been skating on that first line with Kopitar. But it's time to get him a a, a big boy uh, to yeah. play with. So let's talk about the loss of Dwight Wait, King. Can we can we yeah. just get one? This is late breaking news, mm -hmm. but according to LA Kings PR accounts, uh, Jerome McGinley will wear number eighty eight with the LA Kings. First player in franchise history to wear the number. Is that official? What? I mean, I heard that him, is official. I heard it suggested on the uh, on the listen, conference if, call. But listen, Jesse, if there's one thing we know, if it comes from at LA Kings PR, it is the truth. Well, that is true. Wow, look at that. Jerome McGinley to wear number 88. Now, uh, I don't know that. I got, you, I, I got you with a little bit of gotcha journalism here. What's, sure going through your, what's going through your head right now? Well, it's funny. He, uh, he was asked on the conference call if he would ask Marion Gabrick for number 12. Uh, he, he laughed and said no, but that when he was a kid growing up in Edmonton, obviously he was a huge Wayne Gretzky fan. And when Gretzky was traded to L.A., he went out and bought an L.A. jersey. But obviously, instead of getting 99, he got one with his own name on the back and the number he chose was 88 
So I actually enjoy that because it's a little bit of, uh, you know, a nod to the Drew Doughty story, right? Where Drew Doughty grew up with a King's poster or a phone or whatever it was um, in his room. So this is a nice touch, right? To have a kid. Well, he's not a kid. He's <laughs> my gosh, the half he's older than me. Um, well, he's, he's he's younger than me. So yeah. let's be careful with this. <laughs> Look, he threads that. That's a very, that's a very small target to hit older than me and younger than you. Um, but, uh, but this is a guy who grew up with some affection for the franchise and some history with the franchise, even if it's just personal. Um, I think that's cool that he's going to wear number 88. I love the number 88 and, and we don't get into it too much on this podcast, Jesse, but I growing up, yes, I was a Gretzky honk, but Mm -hmm. I was a Lindros honk. Like I loved Lindros from Oshawa generals day. I mean, like I just loved him so much and I wish that, that social media and blogs and podcasts <laughs> existed in, in that era. Cause I could only imagine, uh, with every, every stunt that he pulled it, it would be. And, and when he, there was remember there were very strong rumors, uh, before he signed with Toronto, I believe that he was going to sign with LA, uh, Lindros mm-hmm. and to, to, to have, I've always loved that combination that 88 because, um, of course, of the symmetry, you know, with with 66 and 77 and 88 and 99 being four of the greatest players of all time. I am so excited to finally see an 88 because I got to be honest with you, like I, I hate Brett Burns wears 88. Like it drives me crazy that that guy who eats pizza wears 88. So like, I, I don't know, man, like I am all in on an 88 again, Le Jersey uh, from from the L.A. Kings. So come on, Team L.A., you better have that ready for me uh, a Thursday night against the Maple Leafs. Now you mentioned Eric Lindros in Toronto, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball question at you. Was there any team with more? Uh, I don't want to say underperforming or washed up, but but was there ever a team with more underperforming great players than that Toronto roster? Let me read you some of the names on it: uh, Jason Allison. Uh, Matt Sundin, Ed Belfour, Eric Lindros, all on that one uh, Toronto Maple Leafs uh, roster. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's funny. There's um there was another rumor. I think in in '96 when Gretzky signed his deal with uh, the New York Rangers. There, I, I, I think the article came out last year. Then we were way sidetracked on this, but he was very close to signing in Toronto. And I always wanted to kind of take that 96, uh, 97 uh, Maple Leafs team and like do a simulation with like Gretzky as it's centered, you know, because <laughs> he, he continued to put up points for the Rangers, Absolutely, you know, yeah. and, and and I just I, I just would love to see what it would have happened with, with Gretzky. Uh, Didn't he have 90 something points in his last year or was yeah. it his second to last yeah. year? Yeah. 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 That's a good sliding. That's a good NHL sliding doors. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So one of these days we're going to have to make a Tumblr page or something. <laughs> <laughs> NHL sliding doors. So let's talk about Dwight King, the player uh, essentially <sighs> headed out of the door to make room for Jerome McGinley. A lot sadder about this than I thought I would be. So I said on social media, this is the first time that I've legitimately been sad at a trade. You know, I was sad when Willie Mitchell didn't resign. I was sad when... Justin Williams didn't resign, but generally speaking, when they make a trade under into the Lombardi era, I've been perfectly fine with all of them. I was going to say, I'd love to dial up 11 year old Jesse Cohen and ask him about Luke Robitaille. Oh, no. Penguins right I was, <laughs> that was devastating. <laughs> that was very, very devastating. 
but but this is the first and and this is the, I think I mean I didn't bother to double check this but I think this is the first player drafted and developed by the Kings that won a cup uh that won both cups. Yeah. I I think so yeah. I mean Loktyanov was traded but I didn't really He's not even on the cup, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um and and I think Drewiski may have been uh I don't remember how they acquired Drewski, but Drewski certainly... was a free agent signing out of college. Okay, so yeah. so, but I mean, this Dwight King was a a king, right? I mean, <laughs> he was a monarch, my friend. Yeah, he was a monarch when they when 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 they were in the uh, uh, AHL. That's mm-hmm. how old school Kings he is. Yeah, and and you know he he doesn't have a, an actual literal tattoo the way Jonathan Quick does, but um. But, you know, his first game was during the 2010-2011 season. Uh, you know, he played here for six years, won two cups, did everything that could be asked. He was a big dude. You know, he put in the odd, timely goal. Uh, as you said, uh, what did you say? He was a fourth-round draft pick? Yeah, late fourth round. I mean, that's that's exactly the kind of story you want out of your franchise, right? No, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, it, he's, he's going to be part, and again, we're so close to 2012, right? But, but when this podcast or whatever kind of hologram podcast <laughs> people are having in 50 years, Dwight King and, and Jordan Nolan are, are this, they're this great chapter of that 2012 Blu-ray DVD. Yeah. When, when during the, the break, you know, Lutter, Lombardi and Sutter went out to Manchester and and watched the Monarchs and pointed. You know, this is this is like, um, like Field of Dreams style. Pointed to those two kids and said, "Them, right? Yeah, they said them." And and there was better offensive players. There were better defensive players that were on that Monarchs team um, that that they chose because there was something that those two brought that that the team was missing. And then of course they went on to to win the cup and, and again in, in 2014. So, you know, I think it's easy to bash on Dwight King, the player when he's on the first line. Right. But there was, there was a blogger. I forgot if he did it, but he was, he was going to log one season, all the board battles and who won mm-hmm. the board battles. And there is not a player uh, in the bottom six that wins every single board battle like Dwight King did. And, and, and not just win every single board battle, but when in the defensive zone, Always got the puck out. Very rarely did you see Dwight King not be able to get the puck out of the zone or start a breakout. Um, just was was is so good at that. And and you know I think that's a um, comes from coming up through the King system. I think that's something that was you know taught to him as a player. And I think there's other players right now that can kind of step in and fill that role. And so you know he's going to be a, a free agent at the end of the year. Definitely with with all the contracts that are coming up. Um, Lombardi doesn't have the the money to to resign someone like King, and and you kind of get for him what you can. But it's uh, I, I I think it's like you know it's that old I forgot what movie it is right, but Living by the Airport, right? You you do you know that story? Mm-mm. It's from some movie where there, there's somebody that like lived right next to the airport, right? And they they couldn't stand the sound of the planes landing all the time, right? And they eventually they move. And they miss the sound of the airport. And I think <laughs> right. Dwight, I think Dwight King, we might be missing the sound of the airport, and we will most certainly be missing that goddamn brilliant smile after every single goal that he scores. No, look, I, you'll never hear. I mean, I just don't think you'll find anybody who appreciates 
Dwight King on the Kings more than I have since the day he arrived. Um, but but you are to your point. You're, you're you're correct. The problem is Trevor Lewis has a cap hit of two point zero million dollars. Kyle Clifford has a cap hit of one point six million dollars. Um, you just can't have three or four bottom six players that are all earning whatever Dwight King is going to make starting next year. Right. I mean, he, he, I think this year his cap hit was 2.0 and he would, if he stayed with the Kings, he'd be due a raise. Right. Right. And I just don't think you can pay Kyle Clifford, Trevor Lewis and Dwight King. Oh, now when you got a million dollars a year. (laughs) Not when you got to play, you know, Kitchener's own Tanner Pearson and Tyler yeah. DeFoley. Yeah. Well, and and Nick Shore, Nick Dowd, Andy Andrioff, Jordan Nolan, et cetera, all of these cheaper guys who have all collectively taken this team to lead the team or lead the league, excuse me, in shots again. Or they they allow the fewest shots on goals, what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so whereas Dwight King is a huge part of that and he's an excellent penalty killer and he's versatile and you can play him on any line you want. And as you say, he wins board battles. He does what he, you know, what you ask him with a, with a smile on his face <laughs> that would put the fear of God into anybody. Um, you know, at some point this is, this is a hard cap world and, and this is the price of, of doing business. And so to all those people who say they want more kids in the lineup, <laughs> And that the Kings should be giving the younger players more opportunities. You're going to get your wish. Maybe not right away because Jerome McGinley comes in and takes that spot. But uh, next season, you know, there'll be <laughs> there'll be a roster spot or two for some kids. Yeah. And can we say there's there's nothing lazier on Twitter right now than saying that the Kings are a slow team and uh, and need to upgrade their speed? Like, is there any like I really feel like. That is becoming such a lazy uh, analysis on on Twitter right now. I, I find not, that, not just of the Kings, but of any team. Oh, they need to upgrade their speed. I, I find <laughs> I find that most analysis on Twitter is somewhat lazy, just by virtue of the fact that you're only allowed 140 characters. So whatever thought you're going to get out, it's not going to be terribly nuanced. <laughs> yeah, but speed's only five characters. You have plenty no, of no. characters. <laughs> but I just mean like nobody's saying, you know. Uh, Nobody's listing all the different players on the Kings that aren't slow. They're just saying like, "Oh, Kings are slow," and you know, to which Sutter's response of "the puck moves faster than any player can skate," as far as I'm concerned, ends that conversation right away. Um, and also, I was watching a bunch of highlight clips of of uh, uh, Jerome McGinley goals today. Not slow, <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> I get it. He's 39. Uh, his offense has trailed off, but uh, the man is not slow. And he's got a heck of a shot. So, um, But again, that is a hard cap world. Now let's take a look around the rest of the league. That oh, and just to finish our... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, let's, let's ask about the team that Dwight King goes to, the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, you know, I... <laughs> <laughs> I kind of said last night to you, uh, imagine being the GM who's like two biggest moves in the last year have been getting rid of PK Subban and bringing in Steve Ott. Yeah. Like, like really curious moves going on there. I mean, he, with the acquisition of King and Ott, he's put together a great third and fourth line. Um, and I guess when you have, you know, the second best goalie in the world behind John Quick, uh, Carey Price in net, that 
maybe that's all you need. But I, I don't know. I, I just, I just feel like Montreal is kind of, uh, especially with the coaching chain. I mean, they're just kind of running around with their, with their French Canadian, you know, head chicken head cut off. I don't know what they would call it. You know. Yeah, half. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna put on my the royal half shoes. Okay. And I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna royal half you. Uh, what did you say that with King and Ott, they've put together a really great set third line? Uh, third or fourth line. Third or fourth line. Uh, is Steve Ott still good? <laughs> well, I mean, like, no, he's not. Okay. He's not good. <laughs> so, yes, you're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dwight King is fine. We all love Dwight King, and, and he will help Montreal. But, yeah, like you said, they've traded... Uh, PK Subban allegedly because part of you know because of a culture uh, battle within the locker room, they then <laughs> fired the guy that PK Subban didn't get along with. Um, and no matter how good a coach you think Claude Julian is, I will always question a team that fires their head coach to then immediately bring in a different head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, that strikes me as a curious move. And now. They bring in Steve Ott. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, and they, they traded around, uh, traded for uh, an Edmonton Oilers defenseman. Which, let's be honest, yeah, that's, that, that does. It, it, <laughs> if you're trading for a guy that can't play defense regularly for the Edmonton Oilers, mm-hmm. like, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that's the guy you want on your team. Um, so yeah, a lot of interesting uh, choices going on there uh, with Mark Bergeron in um, Bergevin in uh, Montreal, and and uh, you know you, you if you're a Canadians fan, you just better pray that this team makes it out of the Atlantic in the playoffs. Otherwise, there is I have to feel there's not going to be another house cleaning this summer. Well, yeah, and they're first in their division. They were first when they fired their head coach. To yeah, hire but it's Clark the Atlantic. It's no, the Atlantic. Th- but that was going to be my point. Was <laughs> <laughs> they were in first place um by virtue of playing in a in a in a division that has been incredibly it's the new, set, it's the new uh it's the new metropolitan let's be honest you know? yeah uh mark when was mark bergevin hired as the uh gm in in montreal I'm trying four to... four years ago maybe? 2012 yeah um i'd be really curious to look back and see how the team has trended under his stewardship because for me, you know, and we've referenced this plenty of times this year with the John quick injury. We just look at the difference between the Canadians and the Kings last season, Montreal with no carry price misses the playoffs. Now this year we'll find out maybe the Kings won't ultimately make the playoffs, but I think they're in much better shape at this year's trading deadline than Montreal was at last year's trading deadline. Um, and I would put that on the general managers, no? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like, again, you everyone wants to say, oh, well, they're first place team. They'd be fifth in the Metropolitan. <laughs> fifth! Yeah. They'd be fifth in the Metropolitan. So, and it's not like it's a different conference. That's still the same conference. So they better hold on to that, that top spot in the Atlantic. Otherwise, they're going to be facing, you know, I, I mean, they're going to be facing a good team in the first round regardless. So... Uh, it's really going to be interesting to see. It will be. Um, any other major trades that that caught your eye this past week or or day? Yeah, I mean it's it's nice to see the Capitals going all in and and getting uh, Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, 
I, you know, I think that's definitely a player that's going to help that team. I know you're very anti-Capitals um, because you're anti-Justin Williams and anti-Fun. No, so. no. <laughs> Incorrect. I love Justin Williams. I do hate Fun. Um, yeah, I the Capitals, the Shattenkirk move is interesting. In past years, I have always expressed doubt about teams that made too many moves. Um, whether it was Pittsburgh the year that they went out and got four guys, or uh, I can't think of any other deadline examples. But even for the Kings last year, I thought bringing in Versteeg and LeCavalier and Shen, I think ultimately one of the problems there was too much of a culture change combined mm-hmm. with a late injury to Alec Martinez. And, and so all of a sudden you have a team that doesn't do what it does. Bringing in just Kevin Shattenkirk may be exactly the kind of deal that works, mm-hmm. right? You just you're just upgrading one spot, um, which is why I like the fact that the Kings really only uh, acquired a Ginla for nothing. Um, but like Minnesota, for example, I think may have gone too far. Uh, maybe, maybe, and, and, and I mean, like, look again. That's, it's so funny you brought that up because that's something I was thinking about with Montreal. Like they just brought in. Four players, because don't forget they traded for Jordy Ben, right? Uh, the the day before. So and, I mean, that's like Nikita, a huge... and, and they got Nikita Nesterov back in yeah, late January for, for a team that's already been kind of struggling and and has some had some locker room issues with the former coach. Like that's a lot of new faces to bring in yeah. this late in the game. Yeah, I, and those are just the, you know I think Ottawa made a, a bunch of moves too um, that I find curious. Yeah. A lot of bad, a lot of bad moves there in Ottawa in terms of yeah uh, Alex Burrows and then extending him for two years. And, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, the one thing I think I'm most surprised by this offseason, or not offseason, but this trade deadline is how surprised other people are when teams that have not been historically good make questionable decisions. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and I felt this way when Toronto and Edmonton and a couple other teams hired all those um, analytical bloggers a few years ago. And everybody lauded them, right? They said, oh, Edmonton Oilers hire Tyler Dello. They finally get it. They're they're finally right. on board. Um, and, and I would just scratch my head and go, the fact that they're the last team to hire an analytics department, why do we suddenly trust that, that they're doing the right thing by hiring one now? Like right. if every decision they've made to this point is bad, <laughs> why do we trust that this one is good just because it sort of looks like something we would want them to do? And that's sort of how I feel about Minnesota this year. Um, and you and I, I think, probably disagree on this, but everybody keeps telling me how good Minnesota is. And all I can think of is for the last, when did they get Parise in 2013, 2012, 2013? Uh-huh. So for the last four or five years, the wild have been doing things wrong. Is that a fair <laughs> assessment? Well, I'm a little, I'm a little, um, yes, yes. I, okay. I have thoughts on this though. Okay. Well, but, but so, so that's right. Like their general trend has been poor. They missed the playoffs for four years in a row from 2008 to 2012. They get Parise and Suter. They lose in the first round. Then they make it to the second round two years in a row. Then they lose in the first round last year. So they're not terrible the last four years, but disappointing. Um, then they hire a coach who more than just a trend, right? Like when Bruce Boudreaux dies and they, and they are etching his gravestone, they'll etch in his record in the playoffs 
and the fact that his team never didn't win its division and and almost never made it out of the second round. So the fact that they are on their way to to being the tenth year that Bruce Boudreaux wins a division title or something like that. And and while they have this massive lead, they've gone out and done the one thing <laughs> that we've just talked about is almost never not almost never, never working out, which is bringing in four or five guys at the deadline. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just, I'm not, uh, I continue to be unsold on the Minnesota Wild. Um, I heard Chuck Fletcher on the, um, uh, Hockey Central on Monday and it was, it was really, it was really interesting to hear because, because it was, you know, the Wild were built so much differently than any other team right now because you mm-hmm. did have those two huge free agent sli- signings, which for, which look are still probably bad signings, but for a long time were were laughing stock signings, and then they, um, you know, acquired um, some other players um, via via trades and and free agency, and not a lot of drafting, and uh, but they've really built what I think is is a good team. But yes, you're right. I mean, they brought in Hansel and White. Uh, looks pretty good against the Kings. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. And then uh, uh, Bukinen, uh was traded away but um uh, yeah you know i just don't know if any of the other wait who else did they bring in besides hansel and white you said four guys uh yeah now i'm trying to track back yeah yeah i think i think yeah i think just hansel and white is really the biggest uh move that they made i i don't know i i i really do feel like look i I want the la kings to be there at the end but i feel like we could be looking at a wild capitals Stanley cup final and i could already hear uh the nhl and nbc's uh <laughs> crying uh, tears of ratings. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the only thing they'd have going for them there is I think an, an Alexander Ovechkin Stanley Cup appearance would capture a lot of people's imagination. That's true. That's true. Only uh, to lose. Only to lose the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> no, come on. The I mean, the dream matchup I think has to be Minnesota versus uh, Washington because then you can have a game seven between Bruce Boudreaux and Justin Williams. <laughs> oh my god that's good i mean that's and good. and bruce Boudreaux's lost in game seven of each of the previous three rounds right if i'm not mistaken and several with the washington capitals Jesse. right exactly so how perfect for him to complete the career grand slam of losing game sevens uh, in the stanley cup final the only thing that would make it better is if somehow washington uh captured uh, home ice um in order to do it because uh or sorry i've got that backwards if minnesota had home ice um, and then he could do it at home, and that would just be perfect. But <laughs> but sadly, I am going to, again, for like the third or fourth year in a row, pick uh, San Jose versus Washington. I just don't think those two franchises can both choke forever. Um, <laughs> maybe they can, but but I don't know. It seems, it seems impossible to me. Uh, you wanted to talk about conditional picks. <laughs> I just like... Yes, I, I I don't know if this is a product of the salary cap or a product of the CBA or what, but I feel like the conditional picks, the last few years have just gotten out of control. Yeah, I don't know if you saw Elliot Friedman's you know thread of tweets the other night, basically trying to explain the Shattenkirk conditional <laughs> picks. I, I still don't understand. Yeah, and and even you know the Dwight King one is is interesting too because, um, you know basically. It's another thing that depends on teams' playoffs. I think if they make it to the second round and Dwight King plays in 50 of the games and doesn't resign with the team, it, it, the the big condition. So I just I kind of love 
the conditional pick. Um, because it's just, it's, it's a, it's almost like, um, it keeps fans who are out of the playoffs invested, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like if that, if, you know, if that, if the blues don't make the playoffs, they're, they're going to be counting how many games Shattenkirk's playing and what round they're, they're going to. So I'm all for the conditional picks. I think there should be more, uh, uh conditional, uh, picks in the NHL. Well, I was reading an article by our friend uh, Down Goes Brown, and there was a sort of a wistful old man paragraph about when I was a kid, you know, there were there weren't, uh, ho- you know, buyers and sellers. There were just hockey trades. And before that, there was just trades when two teams would trade a guy for a guy and they'd both get better and, you know, grump, grump, grump. And I just thought to myself, you know, when I started watching hockey, there were 21 teams, I think, and 16 of them made the playoffs. So, yeah, there weren't quote-unquote sellers at the trading deadline <laughs> because nobody was deliberately tanking because when the trade deadline came around, there were only going to be a handful of teams that missed the playoffs and they all had a shot. Or, you know, the draft had 10 fewer slots per round and so you could get a guy in the second or third or fourth that now you might be able to capture in the late first or second. Um, so tanking wasn't a thing. Development staffs weren't nearly as important. Not every team had linked up to a minor league franchise. Right. Um, the sport. Has come- <laughs> Jesse, I don't want to burst your bubble, but like players didn't work out in the off season. Guys were, guys were pounding beers and smoking cigarettes <laughs> in the locker room, not having a pizza and running a tra- petting zoo like tra- Brett Burns does. Training camp was literally, <laughs> trading camp you yeah. came into camp out of shape and you got into shape <laughs> and and players made less than a million dollars a year right lemieux and yeah. gretzky were the ones that started that that whole uh salary escalation in the early into mid 90s so i find this sort of these wistful looks back looks back at the sport that don't reference all of the changes kind of annoying i you know i saw another article about uh the d to d pass in the in the defensive zone oh, yeah. and how it doesn't yeah. exist anymore. Now it's all it about totally does. It totally doesn't exist anymore. The entire article and it went on forever was all about the introduction of the stretch pass and how breaking out of the zone quickly was the, all the new rage and yada yada. Not one reference to the fact that ten years ago they took the red line out of the game. Right. No. No. That's a good point. Like, <laughs> so you know, I think it's it's always sort of baffles me when people write these articles about changes and they don't try to explore the cause of these changes um so yeah you're right the, i think it is partially because of the hard cap and partially because if you're a team like arizona for example and we saw it with shane doan same situation as as Iginla, no trade clause doesn't want to go to a crummy team right only wants to go to a contender but what contender out there really needs shane doan nobody yeah i mean like <laughs> like 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 all the lols for shane doan man like yeah. just all the lol like there's you know whatever you can you, you show me a hockey fan not a fan of the, of the of the coyotes that likes that guy and and no one can be more happy with the way his career is ending than me i mean just an ungrateful <laughs> like uh, you know tried to always play oh i'm the local you know i'm i'm sticking with this team right. no he has a huge ranch in arizona and yeah. like doesn't want to be bothered to like leave his comfort zone to go like chase a cup and and that's not a player you want anywhere near your team anywhere near does your arizona team. have a state tax i don't even know <laughs> arizona's barely a state jesse let's well, be honest fair point um 
Yeah, so I... But, I mean, it's just between the cap, between there being 31 teams now, and between the fact that it, if you are not going to make the playoffs, you are incentivized to be bad. You yeah, know, no, totally. The Vancouver Canucks are learning this lesson the hard way. <laughs> they should have they should have done this two years ago. Um, and they never should have traded for Louis Erickson. And the Sedins, right? The, the real shame will be if the Sedins wind up the same way Shane Doan has. I mean, I think they're looking that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know what their contract status is, but uh, it would just be just be a real shame, man. As much as we all roll our eyes at at players like you know, again, lower Ray Bork or or other guys that go cup chasing late in their careers, um, it's so much better than the alternative. I think. Absolutely. Uh, the Sedins have one more year left, so they can wind up in Detroit, which honestly is what I thought was going to happen eventually, anyway. Uh, that reminds me, this is the first year that Detroit misses the playoffs in like 25 years or something, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. They truly are the dead wings again. That, that, I mean, this there's going to be a lot of talk in the next month or so about end of eras. That's the end of an era. <laughs> I mean. And, 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 and what a perfect time to be moving into a new building. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. What a perfect time to get that uh, that 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 downtown arena you've been waiting decades for, oh, Wings fans. Enjoy it. Poor, Enjoy it. Poor Detroit. I heard. I, I think. Oh I think God. the the Sioux St. Marie's, uh, the Sioux St. Uh, Greyhounds are close by. I think they have a really good team. You might you could watch. Lord, that's amazing. All right, so let's. I'm gonna go back and try and find the last time they missed the playoffs. Do you have a guess without looking at it? It's 25 years, right? Well, I don't remember the exact year. Oh, my God, the half. According to this, unless I'm reading it wrong, 1985, 86. <laughs> no, 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 I'm wrong. It's 89, yeah, 89, 90. That's, that's a long time. It's a long time to be a really, really good team. That's fascinating. All right. Uh <laughs> Let's talk real quick about the last two games before we wrap up. Uh, they lose both uh, in overtime. What do you think of the games? Uh, you know, I'm I'm happy with with the games. I'm, I, I it it was the the spectrum of LA Kings emotions, right? Uh, score a lot of goals uh, from a lot of different players. Yep. And lose in overtime, and then score very little goals. And losing overtime, so um, it's a, I, I, it's a really big loss to, to not get the two two points in Calgary and and give away the the extra point to Calgary for sure. And and I think you had mentioned to me yesterday your focus is now all Blues, right? You're yeah. not even thinking about the Flames. But I, I liked what I saw from the team. To, to it's a it's a, a quick road trip on a back to back. Two points are, are better than nothing. Yep. And uh, I'm I, I'm excited now with with the trade that they've made to really see. And and look, Ben Bishop did exactly what they went out and got Ben Bishop for. Right. Mm -hmm. He kept oh, the absolutely. Kings in the game. And and you can say, oh, Budai, Budai, Quick, or Bishop, or Campbell, or Zatkoff, especially, are not making that save in overtime. So no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so so you know they. He did exactly what they hoped he could do, and, and to me, it shows why that trade was so important. 
And they scored first in both games, which I think is tremendously important. Um, In the Minnesota game, every time Minnesota would come back and tie it up, they would go ahead and and pull ahead. I saw a bunch of people on social media saying, oh, my God, they gave up four leads and they needed two points. And that's just not good enough. And it's not acceptable. And all these attitudes that I just find so. To me, like you're just choosing to view the world negatively that way. (laughs) And believe me. I have spent a lot of my time <laughs> I was choosing, choosing to view the word negatively. Um, but no, but in the last three games against the Ducks, the Wild, and the Flames, three teams ahead of them in the standings, they got four out of six points. And yeah. if you get four out of six points down the stretch and St. Louis fired their coach, traded Kevin Shattenkirk, and, and seems a bit of a mess, I think that will be good enough to make it into the playoffs. And as previously stated, their most likely first round opponent is the Minnesota Wild, and I, <laughs> I clearly hey. just don't think much of the Minnesota Wild. I, I would I would take seven games of what we saw on Monday versus the Wild for sure. Yeah, and seven games with Jerome Ginla, right? And and after twenty games of figuring out their identity and Ben Bishop getting into the groove and the whole thing. Um, but yes, I am definitely focused on St. Louis at this point. I just think there's something about Calgary. You know, they're tougher in the last 20 games than they are in the first 20 games. And especially against the Kings, um, they seem to have the Kings number, whether it's a combination of speed, coaching styles, goaltending, that building. I don't know what. I, I just, I don't have a ton of faith in their ability to catch the Flames at this point. But St. Louis, I mean... How great would it be for the Kings to knock St. Louis out of the playoffs with former St. Louis Blue Ben Bishop? <laughs> it, it would be amazing. Yeah, that's what I'm rooting for. <laughs> that is what I'm rooting for. All right, the half. I think that is going to wrap this up, unless we have any last-minute thoughts we want to address. No, I think that was a pretty uh, a rambling podcast for <laughs> talking about the Jerome McGinley trade. Look, man, short notice, a lot of stuff happening, a um, lot more stuff happening. We've got Toronto in town uh, tomorrow or today by the time people may listen to this. Um, there should be a lot of people at Staples tomorrow with the Toronto media and the day after trade deadline day. Toronto didn't make any moves. A little surprised about that. Uh, uh, or no, I take it back. They got uh, Brian Boyle. They actually made a big move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what am I saying? Who got Filipula? There's too many for for a trade deadline day that people said was boring. It was an awful the fly the Flyers did. Oh, yeah, I didn't understand that move for either team, but whatever. Anyway, the half. I want to thank you for joining me. Always a pleasure, Jesse. And uh, and may, maybe look at the trades uh, on online before we have a trade uh, podcast. Just, just nah. FYI. <laughs> Bro, do you even do you even watch the trades? I don't watch the trades, bro. I look at the spreadsheets. Yeah. I, I told Jesse we wanted to do a, a trades podcast, and he was busy reading Variety and Hollywood Reporter. That's that is not true. No, because uh, those are the, those are the trades. They're called uh, the trades. The industry. You got me with your wacky wordplay, with your industry wordplay, and by the industry, I mean the business. Thanks for joining me, the half. Uh, stay tuned, Kings fans, because we'll be talking to you very soon. 